If you have your Bibles with you, please open um, to Ecclesiastes. Now we're going to do two things today. We're going to shake it up a bit. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, but we are later, at the end of the sermon, we are going to visit Romans chapter 3 together. Have you, have you eaten your Wheaties today? Can you, do two, can you do two of those at once? Grab a bulletin. Let's put it in Romans chapter 3. Put it in Romans chapter 3. You could put a bookmark in there. Uh, Romans is towards the back of the Bible. Towards the back of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please use the blue one in the pew back in front of you. If you need a Bible, take that one home with you. So Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. What you got for me, Joey? 940 in the blue Bible. So put, a, put, put something, put a bookmark in there. And we're going to start together in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, which is page... 554 in the Blue Bible. One of these days I'm going to remember to write that down. Thank you, Joey. Okay, so we're going to start in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is in the middle of the Bible. Um, chapter 2, verse 18. And then later to end the sermon, we're going to be uh, in Romans chapter 3 together. Okay. Alright, today, the king of Israel, Solomon, is going to ask this question. He has, he, has, he has tried to decide what can make life worth living under the sun. So let, let's pretend that God's not in the equation. Let's take Him out of the equation. Let's ask this question. What makes life worth living? We've asked about wisdom. Solomon was a really smart guy. He knew so, so much. He asked, does wisdom make life worth living? And what was his answer? No. Wisdom is smoke. It is it is empty. It's a good thing, but it is not something that we can found our life on. Last week, we talked about pleasure. He said, I'm going to take my heart, set my heart on the table and say, heart, look at everything under the sun. Go for it. Whatever you want, I will get you, heart. Did he find anything in pleasure that makes life worth living? No. All pleasure is smoke. It is fleeting. You know what I mean by smoke? Smoke bellows up and it might look like something and I want to pursue pleasure and make my life worth living or I want to pursue wisdom and I'm going to go grab it and as soon as I try to grab smoke, what happens? Just goes right through my arms. No. Pleasure does not make life worth living. Today, we're going to ask this question. Does hard work make my life worth living does hard work make my life worth living what do we call someone what do we call the addiction that believes hard work makes life worth living workaholic workaholic now isn't workaholic doesn't workaholic feel different than saying something like alcoholic isn't there a different there it just feels different to us right this out, this aholic, workaholic, seems to be acceptable in the American church. Are you with me? You've been in church a while. The other aholics seem different than workaholic. In fact, the old saying is a pastor who breaks nine out of the ten commandments will be fired. But if he breaks the commandment about taking a Sabbath rest, he'll be given a raise. Are you with me? 
A pastor could break nine out of the ten. He could, he could commit adultery, be fired, rightly so. He can murder someone, be, fi- be fired, rightly so. But if he is a workaholic, he's going to get a raise. He's going to get a raise. Believing hard works, work makes life worth living. Being a workaholic is one of the sneakiest ways to be far from God. Are you with me? Being a workaholic is one of the sneakiest ways to be far from God. Because being a workaholic, even in the church, and maybe even especially in the church, is seen as a virtue when in reality, it's a sin. I mean, think about it. If you go into a a job interview, Maybe if we're hiring somebody at the church and you ask, what's your biggest weakness? And they say, I'm a workaholic. What are you going to do? I want to hire that guy. It's kind of like saying, what's your biggest weakness? Well, I'm a perfectionist. Right? That's not a, quit, quit saying that. That's not a weakness. It's a backhanded brag about yourself. Are you with me? Being a workaholic is Sneaky. Believing that hard work makes life worth living is sneaky. It's sneaky. It's a sneak, one of the sneakiest ways to be far from God. And if unchecked, being a workaholic, if unchecked, believing that hard work makes life worth living, if unchecked, becomes one of the most dangerous sins as it tempts us to bleed over into our spiritual life and believe that God loves me a little bit more if I'm a workaholic for Him. Believing hard work makes life worth living is one of the most dangerous sins as it may bleed over into our spiritual life and bring spiritual disaster. Being a workaholic leaves our hearts open to working hard to be right with God. Is that true? Does God love us more when we work harder for Him? Solomon is going to say, hard work is smoke. Hard work doesn't make life worth living. Now, let's read his words together. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, big number 2, little number 18. Big number 2, little number 18 goes like this. I hated all my toil, all my hard work in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled, all for which I worked hard, and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity, smoke. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. 
Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is also smoke. It's also vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of his heart with which he toils beneath the sun? What's my reward? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is smoke. So there's, this is the best I got. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to the one who pleases God. Right? No, this is also vanity and a striving after the wind. Hard work is smoke. It is fleeting. It does not make life worth living. It says, hard work is smoke. Number one, work is smoke because your hard work won't last. And even if it lasts for a while, you won't last long enough to find satisfaction in what you worked for. Says this, seeing that I must leave my hard work to the man who will come after me. And who knows if he'll be smart or if he'll be dumb. He might blow the whole thing up. After all your hard work, can it be taken away in an instant? Yeah. I remember when my girls were younger, they couldn't even talk, but they entered this phase that if anyone built blocks in their playroom, what are they going to do? Going to knock them down. I don't know where this came from. Mommy doesn't knock all my blocks down. Daddy doesn't knock all my blocks down. It's like they were hypnotized and they saw someone working hard building this big building. Maybe it was daddy. Daddy built this huge thing and they just waddle over and just kick it over and then turn around and go back. And daddy, what are you doing? Your hard work and my hard work is the same thing. We can be toiling, sweating, working hard for our company, working hard for your family, working hard for the church, and then some toddler, some two-year-old, some co-worker can walk by with a flick of their ankle, knock the whole thing down. Does this sound familiar? All our work is like a stack of blocks. All it takes is the right circumstance and it will all come crashing down. I'm sure you can relate. Working hard for years only to watch the factory you toiled in be shut down. Working hard, toiling for years only to see the business go bankrupt. To see your workplace burn down. To see that the money has run out. To see that the products you produced are not being purchased. Countless hours of hard work seems 
wasted. Hard work is smoke because it doesn't last. Even worse than that, even worse than that, you may work hard and toil in blood, sweat, and tears only to see your hard work being enjoyed by someone who never lifted a finger to help. This is a great evil. When I think about this, this idea that somebody putting blood, sweat, and tears, hard work into something for someone else to enjoy who doesn't deserve it, uh, I think about, maybe you've heard about this, the, the, the scandal for the 2020 FIFA World Cup. Have you heard about this? It's in Qatar, a very wealthy nation. They've built these immaculate stadiums, cutting-edge stadiums, second-to-none stadiums for the Soccer World Cup. And it came out that you know who built those? Foreign workers who as they entered the country had their passports and ID taken from them, forced to labor under those terrible conditions until those stadiums are complete. It's slavery. And who is going to benefit? Are those employees going to get tickets to the biggest sporting event in the world? Are they going to be able to enjoy the immaculate work of their hands? No. The wealthy are. The investors are. The trust fund children are. Not the workers. Not the slaves. And it's interesting. It's pretty ironic from Solomon, who himself creates wondrous buildings like the temple, like the palaces. and He uses forced labor. He uses slaves. And he says, isn't it a tragedy when you work so hard and someone else gets to enjoy it? How ironic coming from Solomon. There's only one hero in the book. Hard work is smoke because often we work hard only so the undeserving can enjoy life. Well, that's just for schmucks like us. This can't be true of a king. Surely a king like King Solomon, surely his work must bring lasting satisfaction. I mean, come on, King Solomon is shaping and building a nation. That's got to be different. If anyone can leave a lasting mark on the world, it's a king. If anyone can find satisfaction in hard work, it's a king. But King Solomon realizes even the work of a king is smoke and can be snuffed out in a moment. And he was right. He was right. He was right. When you look at King Solomon's story, Works hard, shapes a nation to become a powerful, wealthy nation. Blood, sweat, and tears into it. Solomon dies. And he must be asking this question on his deathbed. All this work that I've done with my son coming onto the throne, will he be wise or will he be a fool? He was a fool. Not long after Solomon died, when he was still... Barely cold in the ground, Solomon's son Rehoboam came to power and he was vain and he was foolish and he was hard-hearted. And the nation of Israel under his reign was shattered in two. And the nation 
Half the nation was in rebellion against the king, rebellion against Solomon's household. 2 Chronicles 10 says, Rehoboam did evil in the eyes of the Lord. 12 says there was continual wars. And this would start the nation that started so well with David and then took a step back with Solomon, but it would start the nation on a downward spiral that would go down, 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 down and lead to their destruction, lead to their disaster. Even the best thing, the best work that Solomon put his hands to, Solomon's greatest work was the construction of the temple of God. He built it. Tens of thousands of workers. Thousands of slaves. The best material you can imagine. Layered on with gold, with precious bronze, and precious stones. It was the center of the universe for God's people. It was where in the Holy of Holies, the presence of God was with man. In the Holy of Holies. That's pretty good work. Can you imagine more important work than that? Surely that kind of work will last. Surely you can build your life on that kind of work. Years after Solomon died, we get this account. And the king of Babylon took the king in Jerusalem prisoner in the eighth year of his reign and carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord, the temple, and the treasures of the king's house and cut to pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord, which Solomon, king of Israel, had made. And then the next king of Jerusalem rebelled again against Babylon. And the king of Babylon burned the house of the Lord, the temple, and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, and the pillars of bronze that were in the house of the Lord, and the stands in the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried the bronze to Babylon. And the same for the two pillars and the stands that Solomon had made for the house of the Lord. The bronze of all these vessels was beyond measure. Solomon's hard work, even for the house of the Lord, was smoke. Was smoke. And he, he says, this isn't how we think it should work. He ends that passage in kind of a difficult, maybe a difficult way to interpret it. We might get in trouble if we if we don't meditate on it long and hard, he, he seems to say, let's read this together, verse 26. Isn't this the way we think it should work? For to the one who pleases Him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner He has given the business of, of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases the Lord. Isn't this how it works? This is how we think it should work. If we do good, hard work, we please God and He will reward us. The harder our work, the more we get. This is karma. Do good and good comes to you. Do bad and bad comes to you. It says the sinner works hard and what happens? God says, I'm going to pluck everything that you do and give it to good people. That's how it should work, right? Wouldn't you like it to work that way? 
We might like, we might think we like it to work that way. We might think we like the idea of karma, do good and good things happen, bad things do bad and bad things happen, but is that how the world really works? No. No. And Solomon doesn't believe this either. He already told us it's a great evil to work so hard, put your blood, sweat, and tears into something only to have someone come who doesn't deserve it and enjoy it. That's not karma. That's reality. And so he goes through and he says, almost seems sarcastically, isn't this how it should work? Isn't karma how it should work? But what does he say at the very end? Even this is smoke. It's not real. God is not karma. He blesses and punishes according to His mysterious will and power. Sometimes we do good, we work hard, and we find physical blessings from Him. Sometimes that happens. But sometimes we do good, we put in good work, and find physical hardships. Is this not true? Do you not put hard work in only to find bad reward? All the blessings and hardships, He is over. He is sovereign. They are for His glory and our eternal good. But we cannot command God's blessings with good works. Are you with me? We cannot command God's blessings with good works. This is everywhere in our church's culture. American church culture. Do good things and God will bless you. Ask the disciples who all died bad deaths. Ask the prophets who some of them were sawn in two for doing good works. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And he says our hard work is smoke. Also, number three, Because the only rewards we can be sure of, we don't want. He says, here are your your good work, here here are your rewards for hard work. These are the ones you can count on. Right? Your paycheck, you're probably gonna get your paycheck, but can you stake your whole life that you're gonna get your next next paycheck? No, you can't. This is what you can stake your life on. Hard work. What are your rewards that hard work's gonna bring? What has man, verse 22, what has man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils under the sun? For his days are full of sorrow. And his work is a vexation. Even the night, even in the night, his heart does not rest. Only three rewards from hard work we can absolutely stake our life on. This is what we're going to experience in hard work. Sorrow. Are there not days when your alarm goes off that it is not pure sorrow to get out of bed and go to work? Yeah. Are there not are you not hearing your alarm and thinking about the disastrous situation that's waiting for you at work? or the gut-wrenching meeting you're going to have with your boss, or a possible pink slip on your desk, or a brutally mean co-worker, do you not have that feeling of sorrow in your heart? How about vexation? 
Are there not days at work where you are frustrated, perplexed, and annoyed? Yeah. Are there never days at work where you go, why can't anyone do their job right? Why do I have to pick up their slack? Or, I don't know what my boss wants from me. Vexation. How about sleepless nights? Anyone's work give them sleepless nights? Anyone's work give them sleepless nights? Hard work, Solomon thinks, should end during the day. And at night, we should go and find pleasure and and satisfaction and peace, right? No, that is not a guarantee. Hard work follows us onto the pillow. Anyone here, one of those tremendously annoying people who can just fall asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow? Never worry at all. You people. You people. Get out of here. No. I'm not one of those. Mallory does pretty good. I don't think she's ever had a sleepless night where she worries about things. She just, I mean, she's just holier than me, I think. I, when, when, work, when work, I worry and, and all these things keep me up at night. Right? Too often hard work follows us onto the pillow and becomes our reward. Work is smoke because the only reward you can truly depend on for your work is sorrow, vexation, and sleepless nights. Well, if our hard work is all smoke, maybe I'll just avoid work altogether. Maybe laziness is the way to go. No. No, no. If you've been with us the past few weeks, just because something is smoke doesn't mean it's bad. Work is good. God made work for mankind. Work is not a result of sin. Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Work isn't bad. If you really hate work, you're going to really hate this. Work is good. And when Jesus comes back and brings the new heaven and the new earth, guess what? We will work again. Isaiah 65 says it this way. God's speaking of the future of God's people in eternity. He says, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another live in. They shall not plant and another eat. They shall not labor in vain. Isn't that something? It's almost as if Isaiah is speaking right to Solomon or Solomon is speaking right to Isaiah. It's almost as if Isaiah is addressing Solomon's complaints. Solomon says, oh, I work so hard and someone else enjoys it. Isaiah says, no, in heaven, you will work and enjoy the fruit of your labor. You will build a house, not for some rich guy over there to enjoy. You will build your house for you to enjoy. And how's this? They will not labor in vain. What does Solomon say? Work is vain. They'll not labor in vain. Work is good. We worked at the beginning. Sin came. Makes it bad. Makes it terrible. When there's no more sin, we will work again and it will be glorious. In fact, work is good. And to live a life refusing to work when you are able is outside of God's plan for your life. 
Are you with me? In the early church, they had people that were just attaching themselves to the church, taking all their generosity and not working. They were abusing the generosity of the church. And Paul says this, 2 Thessalonians 3, he says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Don't come to the church thinking that you're just going to live off someone else's hard work. That's what Paul is saying. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness and not busy at work, but busy bodies. So work is good. In fact, we are commanded if we are able to work. So work is good, but when hard work becomes our purpose in life. Work is good. But when our hard work becomes the meaning of our life, work is good, but when hard work becomes my target for satisfaction, we are in for a disaster. Are you seeing the pattern? Chapter 1, wisdom is good. But when we think wisdom can satisfy all our needs, we're in for disaster. Pleasure is good, but when we seek pleasure for our satisfaction, we are in for disaster. Work is good, but when work becomes all our life is about, it is, we are in for a disaster. Work is easily corrupted, as you know. Work is, workaholism is sneaky. It, is easily, it easily corrupts work. Work can easily give, give way to pride. I'm a hard-working person. Those other people are lazy. I work hard. And I am more valuable than someone who doesn't work hard. Work can easily become our identity. Isn't this interesting? What's the first question you ask somebody when you meet them? They tell you their name. What do you ask them? What do you do? Isn't that funny that that's our first question? Now it tells us that's a bad question. But isn't that funny? It's our first question. Not tell me about your family. You know, it's just, it's just interesting. Because work can become our identity. When I think of my identity, do I first think about being a pastor? If so, if so, something is very wrong with me. My identity is Christ follower, husband, father, member of Trinity Baptist Church, pastor. Kansas City Chiefs fan. (laughs) Your identity must go through that same filter. And it's hard. It's hard. And you see how sneaky this is, right? Because you might not tell someone, well, my identity is uh, I work at, uh, at the post office. Or my identity is I'm a pastor. Or I'm a teacher. You might not think that that's before Christ, but we can kind of act that way, can't we? We can kind of let our work take first spot as opposed to being a follower of Jesus. See how sneaky that is? Very sneaky. Work is easily corruptible because it can become our security. A steady job with a good paycheck and great benefits make us feel safe and secure and can easily hide the truth that our security is only found in Jesus. 
Psalm 20, some trust in chariots and others in horses and some in jobs and some in the stock market and some in health insurance. Some trust in these, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Our jobs can be our security and that is very wrong. The Christian with a great job and great benefits and great 401k is just as secure as the Christian without a job. Are you with me? Because their security is in Christ. Those are all good things, but that's not where your security lies. Work can be easily corrupted. Work is smoke. And the scariest thing is, the scariest thing about a life that seeks meaning and purpose in work is that their devotion to hard work will begin to seep into their spiritual life. People who are workaholics, who believe that they have more value, are people who will begin to think that their good works will bring themselves more value to God. Are you with me? Workaholics are very tempted to think that if I work hard in this life and get rewards, if I work hard for God, I'll have more value to Him. Workaholics may think work isn't smoke, it's everything in my life. Workaholics might think hard work brings rewards, therefore hard work in my spiritual life will bring me eternal rewards. Hard work makes life worth living. Therefore, working hard to earn salvation makes an eternal life worth living. Workaholics may say, believing you are right with God, I believe I'm right with God because my hard work at being a good person makes me right with God. When in fact, believing... God loves us more because we work harder or believing it's those who do good works that is right with God. Believing that puts your soul in eternal danger. Are you with me? I pray I'm clear about this. Our hard work is smoke. It is fleeting. It is empty. It is useless. Hard work can tempt us to sin and pride or idolatry. And hard work can bleed over into our spiritual life. And that can bring eternal disaster. And here's the good news. When we realize that hard work is smoke, our hearts are prepared for the good news of Jesus. When you realize your hard work won't make life worth living, that your hard work is not what life is all about, when you realize that, your heart will be open to the good news of Jesus. Turn with me. Let me show you what I mean. Turn with me. Remember that bookmark? Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Let me read this. Some of y'all didn't use that bookmark like I told you to use, huh? Um, just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Romans chapter 3, 
We're going to start in verse 11, right before verse 11. Let's read about good works. Are we ready? None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Any of us, do any of us have good works? Let's continue. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law of God says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped. Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Stop! We're under the law, the law of God, so that every mouth is stopped. And the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by, ready? For by works of the law, for by trying to be a good person, for working to be good, no human being will be justified, will be declared righteous in God's sight. Since through the law of God comes the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law of God. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, are declared righteous by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. Anyone happy that God passes over our sins? It was, show, it was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? I like saying I'm a hard worker for God. I like saying I do good things. I work at being good. What what's becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? I want to work hard for God? No. By the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified, declared righteous by faith, apart from works of the law. Alright. Deep stuff. Stuff we got to chew on. Let me unpack this briefly. Okay? Hard work is smoke. Hard spiritual work is tempting to think that hard spiritual work will get us right with God. And in fact, that attitude of I can be right with God through my hard works will only bring a reward of hell. God sees our effort under the sun and declares it totally smoke, totally inadequate. And He does so. He makes our work smoke so that we will recognize our spiritual effort is also smoke and we need a Savior. In the sight of God, we have no spiritual good work. Do you think you're right with God for being a good person? 
Is that what we think? Do we put in hard work to be good enough for God? He says, none are righteous. No one seeks for God. We have all become worthless. Do you think you're worth more because you work hard? Do you think you're worth more because you work hard for God? He says, we've all become worthless. No one does good. What work do we do? We don't do good work. We're all worthless. What work do we do? We put venom on our lips. We lie with our tongues. We curse and have bitterness. And we're swift to shed blood. We have no fear of God. Those are our works. When it comes to working hard to be righteous, to be good, to be nice, to be accepted by God, these good works, when that is working good, we are the most lazy people imaginable. We've got no good works. And no one will go to heaven by working hard at being good. He says no one is accepted by God by works of the law. You don't murder somebody. Great. Doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You never cheat on your wife. That's a good thing. Doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You're at church every time the doors are open. Doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You work hard. Boy, I work hard teaching Sunday school or doing worship team or preaching sermons. Doesn't earn you a spot in heaven. This is why it says, through the law, knowing what God requires of us only brings the knowledge of sin. The purpose of the law is to show us that we are lazy spiritual people that have no good works. That's the purpose of the law. The law is not something we aim for to be accepted by God. The law is a declaration that we are so lost. Guess what? The law of God is smoke. Doesn't bring salvation. Purpose of the law of God is to show us our hard work is not good enough and to show us that we need a Savior. So we can't even work hard enough. No one will be good enough. Oh, wretched man that I am. How then can I find salvation? He says, now the righteousness of God apart from the law has been revealed. So I could be righteous in front of God apart from the law. What is this wondrous thing? Is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Apart from hard work, Righteousness has been revealed. A brand new way to be declared good by God that is totally apart from good work. And that is this, trusting in Jesus' hard work. That's what saves you. Are you with me? You miss this, you will miss Jesus. You miss this, you will end up in hell. Are you with me? You're not good enough for heaven. And so in God's grace, He said, I'm going to show righteousness apart from being good or working hard at being good. I'm going to show righteousness in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ came and we can't be good enough with our good works so God has decided to save us with no work on our part. We are saved by grace, He says, a free gift of grace through faith, through trusting in the hard work of Jesus, not trusting in our hard work. Don't trust your hard work. 
It's smoke. It's not going to get you there. Trust Jesus' hard work. Jesus came and He could be good and He could be righteous and He was perfect and He came and died on the cross. That was His good work. Die on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve for our sins so that all who trust in His hard work and cast our hard work away, all who trust in His hard work and not our hard work will be saved. The good work of Christ, the sacrifice of the perfect Son of God, He says the atoning sacrifice turns away God's just wrath towards sinners. It is a sacrifice in our place. It means I deserve to be on the cross for my bad works. And Jesus took me down from the cross, put me aside, took my place, took the punishment that I deserve for my sins. So that now, if I put my faith and trust in Jesus' hard works, I will be declared righteous. And he says in this way, God has become the just and the justifier. That means our sins are punished. They're punished on the back of Jesus. So God is just. All the terrible works that I have done and you have done, God didn't just say, well, that's too bad. Yeah, you're a really bad guy, but I'm just going to cook the books. No, God says, I'm going to crush your sins. That's how bad they are. I'm going to crush them. And God the Father crushed them on Jesus who willingly took them on the cross. God is just and He is the justifier. He says, now all who put their faith and trust in Jesus are perfectly righteous and can be with Me forever. So our hard work is smoke. God made it that way so that we will realize we cannot work hard enough to be good and we will look for a hard-working Savior who is Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, this is sneaky. Okay? This stuff is sneaky. I'm going to ask you, are you, do you think you are right with God because you are a good person? Do you think you're right with God because you are a good person? Are you trusting in your good works to be right with God? Are you trusting? Are you, do you think when you die and you stand before God that you'll be able to show Him your good works and be good enough for heaven? Is that where you are? If that's you, your good works are smoke. They are meaningless. They will do you no good in the presence of God. So our desire for you and what we call you to do today is to do what we all did. To recognize that we have no goodness that will be accepted by God. But to see Jesus on the cross as the righteousness of God displayed. We see Jesus on the cross as the one who took our sins and our sins were crushed on His back so that we can, through faith in Him, through trusting Jesus, we can be with God forever. We call you today, decide to trust Jesus. Decide to not trust your good works but trust in Jesus.